Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Hello boys and girls, welcome to another episode of uh, Masala PTI. It's been a while, but uh, we thought we will definitely uh, catch up on all the goings-on in the NBA. It's been a while, Ravi. Uh, hope you are uh, enjoying the NBA off-season as much as I am. Very much, Arvind. And as you said, uh, I think uh, I, I, we and specifically I need to apologize to our listeners for the long delay in having this uh, podcast go on air. I think logistics uh, took over and we weren't able to do much in the last couple of months. But yes, I am excited about the NBA offseason. And it's something that uh, we were talking off air that uh, we are in general mentally to be a lot more uh, on to sports during the football season. But yeah. uh, at least my realization has only come through now that uh, that there is world beyond the NFL. <laughs> I know. I, I'm sure... Moving forward, we'll be pretty engaged now that it's officially fantasy uh, season, right? Pretty much. That is right. Um, that is right. Uh, let's start with the finals. Uh, what what did you think? I, I thought even though for a five-game series, it was really interesting. Uh, possibly because it, of the talent on the court, but for whatever, on the fact that they were meeting for the third time, right? Cavs and the Warriors. It was gripping, it was interesting, even though Warriors, at the end of the day, they won fairly easily. Yeah, very much so. It was very gripping. And uh, I think it uh, for the first time, I guess since those uh, Boston-LA uh, uh, rivalry, I think we have, we have something kind of akin to that. Uh, and uh, in no small measure to the fact that these the, this is basically a, a pair of teams with supreme talent on their rosters and that really manifested itself during the finals yes. and I for one truly believe uh, that even though it was just a five game series it was a lot closer than what the records indicated at the end of the series mm-hmm. uh, and I was in really? fact even if we were to dissect it a little bit more game three was all KD going crazy right I mean and it is uh, potentially going to be remembered as his signature game. Yeah. But if not for him, and if the Cavaliers as was looking like it, if they had won, this would have been an even series at the end of four, which would have probably meant that it would have gone to seven games. So actually the Cavs, uh, you know, ought to feel rather, uh, uh, I guess, good about how the series went. Uh, and obviously they should feel shitty about the fact that perception a few years down the road will be that they almost got swept. Right, right. I, I, I think I agree with you partly. A um, couple of good points you made there. I think if they had lost Game 3, the Warriors had lost Game 3, which you are absolutely right, they won because of KD's heroics, right? At least towards, yes. the, towards the end. I, I think uh, Curry had a good game too, but towards the end it was all KD. If they had lost, then it would have been a different series and it might have been really as close as it felt. But to your point that it was closer than it 
appeared i kind of have a opposite feeling i think it was not okay. as close as we all thought it was while we were consuming it i don't think it was that close a series but there was so much angst especially for you and me you know we have barrier connections right because yes. of that seven game loss last year from up 3-1 i felt like there was so much angst in the bay area fandom that it felt a little too close when actually it was not like i remember i might have even tweeted about this or uh, you know posted on facebook i've never seen a more nervous fan base going into that game 5 at home leading 3-1 mm, right interesting interesting yeah that should be like slam dunk right actually they that was how bay area felt last year but actually draymond was suspended and the thing changed completely this year they were fully loaded they had durant but still i felt like everybody thought this was a really close series and this game 5 was very critical and important and all that but in reality if you just sit back and think about it they were up 3-1 going back home it is like there should be no way they lose that series but they did last year so true they they did last year so i think we all consumed it as a series that was a little bit closer than it actually was so that's i think you can make argument for both what i'm saying and what you're saying i think that's fascinating the other interesting point you made was is entirely conceivable these guys are meeting again for a fourth time and i just can't wait for next june that would be just awesome i think there are a few things on the east which can derail uh uh cleveland and we'll get into that as we get into free agency specifically maybe boston can challenge them but yeah. other than that do you really see this not happening for a fourth time and i think that would be fantastic if it does go there i i i'm with you and I, but except as, as you said the big uh, 500 pound caveat here is Uh, the contingency that the cavs uh, nucleus should stay the same and i for one feel that quote unquote nucleus includes kevin love and that would be my oh, really? only uh, question mark around uh, whether the cavs can uh, you know reemerge out of the east otherwise if the team stays the same i see no reason why these two teams will not play again for year number 4 next year Let, let's dive into the off-season happenings then, because that's a nice segue. So, you, I, I think the core is going to stay the same in Cleveland unless they are going to upgrade, or at least assume they are upgrading, right? So yeah. You don't, you don't think Paul George would be an upgrade over Kevin Love? So, I, I see Kevin Love going only for a couple of players, right? It's somebody like a Paul George, or if they are dumb enough, maybe for Carmelo. but i agree with you on that in that case i agree with you it would be a downgrade yeah. but i totally intrigued by a paul george possibility i i think that would be an upgrade what do you think yes i agree functionally speaking like in terms of the talent and the skill set that paul george brings to the table versus a uh, kevin love i agree 100% with you that there is no comparison but here's where i sometimes uh, you know have a big uh, uh, anxiety about bringing in a superstar to play alongside a player such as um, lebron mm-hmm. and fr- frankly i have a i have a very similar opinion regarding the chris paul induction into the rockets and having him play next to james harden but you know that's a different topic yeah. and here's my point 
uh, I think LeBron and Kyrie took a while to kind of coexist, mm-hmm. but it seemed like middle half of last season, that is the season in which they ended up winning the title, it felt like they had found their own space and their own ability to dominate without disturbing the other's equilibrium. And I think Kevin Love, despite all the knocks against him and the fact that he's not elite and so on and so forth, it was so apparent that in times where all that was required of him to be was to be a spot-up three-point shooter and get a few offensive rebounds, he fit the bill perfectly. Now, with Paul George, Mm -hmm. he has shown enough uh, evidence, both explicitly and in his play, that he he needs to be in the middle of the action. And while that is great when he is the alpha dog on a team, I'm not sure how that works if you already have a LeBron and a Kyrie. And Kyrie, for one, I mean, his ceiling seems just endless. So if you have Kyrie, you have LeBron, Mm -hmm. I would love for the Cavs to keep Kevin Love to be the prototypical third wheel rather than getting another player who would be an alpha dog on any other team. I, I agree with you on Kevin Love's role, right? I think he finally found his niche this year. He put yeah. up good numbers and he does rebound and he can hit threes. In fact, even in the finals, I think there was a stretch where he was killing the Warriors on the board. Exactly. And, I agree. And Steve Kerr, I think, called it out in the post-game. Uh, it might have been even game three where uh, the Warriors ended up winning. He was single-handedly keeping Cavs uh, in there in the, for a stretch in the third quarter by just that, Yeah, that was the game, right? Where he hit six or so in the first half, six three-pointers or something is insane. Yeah, and he was getting all kinds of rebounds. But with that said, I think what's attraction with Paul George really is the fact that he's a two-way player. Yeah. He can defend, plus he can actually be on Durant if you want to be obsessed with Warriors, which is what the entire league seems to be. But you also bring up a couple of interesting points, right? Where LeBron is clearly the alpha dog. I mean, it's just, that guy is so good. I couldn't believe the numbers he put up in the finals. So Kyrie is already giving up a lot to take that back seat, right? Kyrie gets his numbers, but you can clearly see that there are stretches of the game where he has nothing to do. He just stands around. And then, uh, you know, they turn him on, or LeBron enables him at times to go off. And he does. And he scores. He's amazing. Now, if you add Paul George to that mix, it's an interesting question. Like, not only is the concern what you're bringing up, which is how does he himself fit, but while you were talking about it, it just struck me that how is Kyrie going to adjust to that as well, right? That means Kyrie is probably going to take an even lesser role because potentially Paul George may want to do more than uh, Kevin Love just because he can so there are some questions, but I and he cannot rebound like Kevin Love, right? They lose some rebounding, but he definitely upgrades the defense and possibly the matchups with the Warriors. And I think that's why everybody is, uh, you know, thinking about that option. But with all that said, with all that said, it does look like there are multiple suitors for him, including Boston. Uh, which has been on and off, but looks like they are more on now. Uh, I don't know if you are... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what it seems like, that Boston is trying to land both uh, Paul George as well as Gordon Hayward. Now, speaking of the Cavs, though, for for an additional minute, Mm -hmm. I, you know, we are arguing, I think, on a very nitty-gritty level regarding the difference that uh, a Paul George acquisition would make versus staying put with Kevin Love, but both of us kind of agree that it is still 
going to be a you know a, a, a very reasonable tra- a reasonable acquisition for a variety of reasons the one that was truly outlandish mm-hmm. and i only heard it today and i don't know if this is true or a rumor or what you thought about it was this whole boogie cousins thing that there is a chance of the cavs making a pitch to kind of bring in boogie with in a trade with new orleans that just doesn't make sense to me yeah i i have heard it on and off even from uh, day one which is basically the end of the finals Uh-huh. that is very uh, interesting too i think part of the problem i'll tell you is this old rumor out of nowhere started during the finals right that lebron is gone to yeah. la next year that's yeah. i think it's all planted right these these are like just like politics these are planned leaks that lebron is floating so i don't know if you thought this way i felt like that came out of nowhere and suddenly everybody was talking about you know that was always the plan and they were in on it or something like that the media is also full of it right they are yeah. they are yeah. pretend like they know everything but i think that may be real so one of the things i read was paul george doesn't want to go to cleveland unless there is some guarantees that lebron is going to stay right which makes perfect sense why would he go there if this guy is going to bolt next year now yeah paul george also can bolt but that doesn't help cleveland so cleveland is probably asking him to sign a long term deal he's probably saying i will if this guy stays which is what every conversation is probably going right so maybe with boogie and thinking uh, they are uh, more likely to let him walk after this year or maybe it costs them less to bring him in uh maybe there are ways to bring him in without kevin love i don't know have you heard who they are sending for boogie no no i have not but i do in on the on the on the previous thing you mentioned around paul george wanting to or willing to come to cleveland as long as lebron uh being willing to sign a long term deal with cavs did you see the article in the republic as far as the suns connection to that trade was No, I've heard Sun's name like thrown all over. Uh, so here's yeah. so here's here's what here's what Dan Bickley wrote, and again I have mixed feelings about you know what would have been the what would have been my feelings if this this three-way deal had actually occurred prior to the draft because uh-huh. all of this was prior to the draft. Yeah. Uh, because I, for one, am super bullish on the Josh Jackson uh, Josh Jackson acquisition. but i believe that there was a kind of a deal being talked about which would have had paul george go to cleveland as long as lebron would sign a long term deal beyond next year with them some sending bletso and the number 4 pick and getting kyrie back kyrie wow i've never heard that yeah so that's what i mean again this was in yes i think yesterday or today's arizona republic but again wow. you know the, the the tone of that article though is kind of similar to what i feel about it which is that on paper that looks like oh my god that is a you know a a a, a plum uh, deal for the suns and it's kind of sucks that they missed out on it but you know i also truly feel good about what they did at the draft i do but that's interesting though i only heard of kevin love and you know coming to the suns honestly i was not at all excited about that i don't know how you Same felt about yeah. it yeah yeah totally with you on that and i remember i think you karthik and karthik who's one of our other friends and i were on the whatsapp uh, uh, distro discussing that yeah kevin love doesn't inspire uh, that that yes. you know that 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 that, that uh, level of excitement now kairi the problem with kairi is he is neither a 
typical point guard not easy good defensively but by that they can play offense but i i you know i wonder how it would have worked with devin booker who, you know that would have been a great backcourt but there would have been a defensive liability the that's true yeah so the the rumors now coming back to the suns you know i hear them in, it's funny you hear them in almost every every deal almost like now they're talking about paul millsap coming to the suns uh, they're just in it for everything and i hope they don't screw up this young core just like you said i i am excited for the score right there is uh, josh jackson now there is who can play defense to kind of yeah. offset some of their other weaknesses uh and of course uh, dragon bender and marcus chris are already there they they are going to get better and even um, you, you know the only thing i think they need to do is get rid of one of the point guard salaries i suppose that's what they are after either brandon knight which who nobody wants so hence they are probably trying to offload bletcho yeah and i think that that is still by far their uh you know the worst deal they made literally since the time i feel that we've we've started following the suns i mean for numerous reasons people have people have talked about how they uh, you know sold uh, rajan rondo or how they gave up kurt thomas for a second round draft pick or whatever it was yeah. but i think purely for the fact that brandon knight has become a like a, a you know a noose around their neck and they have no way out of him right. uh, it makes it pretty much the worst deal they made a few years ago but going back to uh, uh you know the the, the perception that uh, the suns are pretty much seems to be uh, in every deal or kind of uh, looking to be a player in in every major free agent uh, uh, talk that's going around uh, did you see that blake griffin is actually meeting with them day after exactly that's the other one i was talking about yeah, blake griffin to the suns paul millsap to the suns everybody yeah. is going to the suns but and, and you know i have mixed feelings on blake I, i mean obviously his talent is otherworldly and he is i mean i would say what do you agree that he is probably uh, you know one of the top 15 players in the league right now if he's healthy absolutely yeah and that's but, the key right i mean that's the key that uh, it's very difficult uh, especially for a growing team mm-hmm. uh, to to associate itself with a superstar who you cannot rely on at all times partly because so, of health and partly because it just doesn't feel like you know you can hand the keys over to him to be the guy but you know it's funny it's ironic that suns are after him because the comparison that he he often inspires is to amar stoudemire right yeah who, yeah who luckily suns kind of let go at the right time and that's and that's a fantastic point because what the suns on hindsight did well by not signing amari to a you know a, a, a like a mega million deal yeah uh, they shouldn't uh, kind of invariably repeat by doing the same with blake now exactly on the opposite this time if they pay him then they will be the next but you never know yeah. right he, he maybe he stays healthy but i have been very impressed with his game over the last two years yeah, the guy true. when he's on the court is able to do everything he has a jump shot now he dribbles he can go you know coast to coast he can finish of course uh, it it's been great but i don't know how i feel about it now if they are getting him as a free agent right uh, you know 
obviously there will be a lot of money locked up in them but at least they are not losing young assets i'd be okay with it i think at the end of the day because if if you take clippers out of it and if gordon hayward goes somewhere else boston or miami i think there is a couple of playoff spots of for grabs one yeah. i i think is definitely minnesota's to lose right i think minnesota you can pencil them in after the jimmy butler trade so basically there's one more slot to be had now i don't know what it means to make the playoffs but it wouldn't be bad for the suns to do it because they've been out of it for so long yeah and and the and the suns the advantage with the suns is obviously the fact that they are still uh, for whatever reason uh, a sort after destination for free agents uh, as a city not necessarily as a sports organization yeah. and the second thing is people seem to have a very strong sense of belief in their medical staff i mean for that for all the right reasons so yeah, that's a good point so you know, yeah so you think point. of a blake griffin who's kind of seen as a health risk i mean we've had tons and tons of players who have come in being quote unquote health risks who for some magical reason the suns training and medical staff seems to have worked wonders with yes maybe that will happen here too that's a good i'm sure they sell that during the meetings with blake griffin right i'm sure that yeah, yeah. And, and you know what you are right i mean actually for all the uh, you know pessimistic or lukewarm points that i made around the fear around signing blake griffin you know what you sometimes need that marquee boost up your ass to make yourself marketable and i think having a blake griffin on your roster mm-hmm. and kind of complemented by say uh, devin booker and a josh jackson and these two kids from last year and let's i mean that's like a what a, uh bill simmons calls a league pass team right i mean team True. that the yeah. yeah. neutral guy would not mind watching a suns game so it would be fun and the other thing too let me ask you this right last year or two years back they were this close to signing uh, lamarcus aldridge right yes yes uh, you, both you and me were pretty you know we were pretty excited about it because there's been a mar- there's not been a marquee uh, suns player in a while but now that we we have seen him with the spurs and we know what we know about him would you rather have uh marcus aldridge or blake griffin oh blake by far right even given the yeah. injury and all that i agree with you yeah. so if you think of it that way Uh, maybe they should go for it uh, let's see what happens that's that's another exciting twist for a suns fan but even outside of that there is so much going on and it it just feels like nba off season year after year is just getting more and more interesting and next year is going to be crazy right especially if lebron is moving around or whatever i had a couple of thoughts that i wanted to run by you uh, about the overall this whole uh, you know as you know paul went and joined james harden yesterday with houston right yes uh, i i you know if i'm a warriors fan i'm not too scared about it at least not yet and in fact i was telling somebody this yesterday uh, apparently darrell mori the houston gm also wants paul george if i am a uh, a warriors fan i would also be happy about that but because i think a paul george harden chris paul combination doesn't scare me as much as a paul george lebron james kyrie irving would 
that's just me i don't know what you think about that i 100% again agree with you and in fact that is part of what uh, you know is one of my pakka five topics around me already feeling that with the chris paul james harden combo mm-hmm. i don't think that's going to scare the warriors and if you bring in a paul george that only further accentuates the example i made around cleveland i mean i have no idea what you do with the ball then if you have all three of them playing on the same team right <laughs> so be it you know that let's leave that on the side now the interesting concept that i'm seeing here is after lebron james created the super team in miami right which ironically he thinks he has never been in a super team which is weird so this collective bargaining agreement was changed so much to make it even more friendlier for home teams to keep their own players right it was always nba deals with the bird exception and all that were always structured to help the home team keep their stars but they went overboard and made it even more expensive and for the player to leave their town and go somewhere else but regardless of all that they are not able to stop that trend i find it fascinating that kd showed up in oakland last year now uh, Chris Paul and James Harden decided they wanted to play together and they moved there. Uh what what's going on? I mean it looks like people are willing to lose a lot more money to play with the guys they want to play with and win. And because the deals are anyway nice and there's a lot of money to be made anyways, it looks like they don't mind giving up 40 50 more million. In other words they're okay with 150 over 4 years instead of 200 over 5 or something like that i find that fascinating that that the super team trend is continuing despite nba's best efforts do you do you have any uh, thoughts on that yeah definitely and i i mean the i mean obviously the first thought is it is in one way mind boggling that uh, Uh, you know the environment and the league hasn't been able to stop that trend but if you again peel the onion a little bit you can also see kind of the logical reasons why and the biggest one in specific cases like for example kd moving to the warriors i think that was a stroke of a gigantic or a gigantic stroke of luck given the fact that agree the warriors warriors were able to afford him because curry is on a very favorable deal uh, clay and draymond were in house you know acquisitions yeah. so they didn't have to pay a shitload of money and durant was kind of uh, you know fair uh, generous in his ability to be uh, uh, in his ability to sacrifice money but also what runs parallel in the last 10 15 years is the fact that the the, the non basketball related dollar value and brand equity of these guys is almost comparable to their actual day job salary right so that's a good point you could make uh, you know a five year 200 million dollars playing for Oklahoma but you probably are going to make 10 dollars outside of it you know in advertising you play for the warriors you're probably going to make 150 million dollars just by being a, you know a, a brand name yeah. so i think that's where people are willing to compromise uh, the, the 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 on the job dollars because they know that their brand equity is anyway going to increase that's that's a good point in fact uh, the one thing you missed in the uh, durant signing is of course the biggest trigger was the salary cap jumping like 30% or whatever right that's not going to happen every year so that's why that's I, right 
that's why I've never thought that Durant move to Warriors was a systemic problem. Yeah, it will happen every time salary cap jumps 30%, but it's not going to, right? It was a unique... And, and yeah, that's right. And that, by the way, that reason also holds true for anyone claiming that the Warriors kind of won a title team because you know what that's bullshit the warriors uh, to let's give them the credit they deserve durant has been the only guy coming from the outside and he also took a significant cut for a fewer number of years but otherwise the persons that constitute the quote unquote super team for them yeah. are all in house talent right absolutely now the part chris paul situation to me is a little bit different right so the, the he as a players union president supposedly lobbied and got this supermax deal for his age group or something like that where he can sign for 5 years 200 plus or something which he cannot with other teams so the rumor is clippers even though they could have given him that did not want to give him that so he's kind of you know opting in this year and going to the houston rockets because harden recruited him hard. So whatever it is, uh, he is kind of taking less to play with his buddy and win, right? So on the one hand, it feels like NBA has a problem in that all these stars are pretty much building their own team. It's almost like the owners and GMs are on the sideline watching as these guys are figuring out who they want to play with and all that. But on the other hand, I'm also excited a little bit like if things work out the way the rumors are saying it will be there is going to be super teams but there may be almost four super teams if uh, you know Houston works out you got Houston and uh, Warriors and then maybe Cavs and Boston right that will be an interesting season I think and then you always have the Spurs of the world who are going to stay competitive and, and always win so it makes up for an interesting league in some ways that these guys are ganging up and kind of building their own teams. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, eventually it all kind of balances out because by definition, uh, these super teams are likely to excel and therefore kind of drop down during the, uh, you know, in, the, in their ability to draft a higher pick and eventually talent will emerge among teams that are not as good now and Philly and hopefully the Suns and Minnesota yeah. and even in some ways the Lakers are good examples of that where I know you and I have talked about optimistically that maybe the Suns roster as it currently is constructed uh, will get to the Warriors level in five years but I think there is a way by which all of this will, will keep you know revolving into equilibrium rather than say somewhere in baseball where you know you basically uh, have a, a lot more of a tendency for uh, uh, exactly you know for sh- boatloads of money being given to one one player on any one team exactly that is why this is even more interesting of a topic for me because system wise baseball is the worst right so exactly i love the nba system but it's fascinating it's kind of not achieving what it's intended to because players are able to kind of work around it as well as give up money to play with certain people and win championships. It's, it's really uh, something that's very fascinating to me because the system is yeah. good. The system is good. It's not as bad as the baseball 
Uh, Agreed. And, and you know the other thing, and exactly, and I think uh, uh, comparing it to the other sport, which I feel is as bad, if not worse, than baseball, that which is the NFL, where just the fact that there is no concept of truly gar- guaranteed contracts, no team is ever, you know, truly stable. Uh, yeah. It takes a whole lot of initiative non-material initiative amongst players as well as owners and the administration to really ensure that a player stays with an organization for, you know, four, five, ten years. Like, you know, Brady's and Manning, even like, you know, Manning ended up getting traded, but I'm talking about like, you know, someone like a Tom Brady happens once in a lifetime. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, let's quickly hit some of these names and uh, let's talk about where do you think they're going. I'll uh, give you... Okay. Five names. Uh, Gordon Hayward? I think he's gone to Boston. You think so? Uh, because and, and by the way, my, 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 and I'll just give you a quick uh, reason why. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, neither of these is valid. But actually, the, the one reason is he obviously has officially announced uh, with he's not uh, signing, right? Uh, I believe he did that today. What? He's not signing with uh, Utah? I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he let them know that he's not planning to sign in or what? Or oh, you mean opt in? Opt, opt yeah, in. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. well, that was expected. Yeah, he's opting out basically. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that and the fact that he and uh, Isaiah Thomas recently became mutual uh, Twitter followers of each other, I think, <laughs> makes me think that uh, you know he's destined for Boston. Okay, I think he. Uh, I actually think he stays back. We'll see what happens in, okay. in Utah. Uh, the next name is obviously, we touched on it a little bit, Blake Griffin. Phoenix Suns. <laughs> okay, just for our sake, I'm going to say Phoenix too. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, and by the way, and uh, you probably know this already, but a lot of people keep harking back to his uh, interview uh, uh, who was it with? I, I forget who it was with. Where he basically mentioned that his Mount Rushmore of teams, uh, or he gave a list of teams which would be on his Mount Rushmore, and Phoenix was one of those. Really? Why? Even you and, and this I wasn't, not this, and this wasn't right now. This was like last year. I see. Interesting. Maybe he likes the golf courses there or something. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. 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 What I've heard about him, as well as you know, I was I listened in to the JJ Reddick podcast. Mm-hmm. And he interviewed Blake uh, a few months ago, and he comes across as a very uh, non-conformist basketball player. Like he prefers listening to jazz. Uh, he's very obviously. I mean, he's very much into golf, as are a lot of players. So that's not why I'm saying this. But like you know, he's someone who is very uh, interested in learning about new cultures, and it just seems like a different cat. He is more intellectual than I, you know, yeah. let's be honest, than I would like to give credit athletes for. So I think. Who knows what his reasons are, but if he says Phoenix is on his Mount Rushmore, I kind of believe him. Cool. Yeah, he is definitely a different cat. How about uh, Kyle Lowry? I have no idea. Like, I, in fact, I hadn't even uh, you know thought about him. What do you think? Yeah, I think he stays in Toronto. I don't think the Toronto front office is very well run. In fact, one of the rumors. Is, what, I have a qu- yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a question for you on uh, uh, on Kyle Lowry, and I wasn't following the Eastern uh, Conference uh, playoff series that much. But was there some issue between him and the coach? Like, why did he not even play in the last game or two? Uh, I don't think there was any issue. I think he was 
Was he injured? I forgot, man. It feels okay, like okay. two years maybe, back maybe. now. Yeah, I think he was injured for one game and didn't he come back? I forgot the details, even though I was watching most of it. Uh, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that was it. Because he, yeah. he's like a, like a weirdly uh, potent guy. I mean, you know, yes. some games where he does take over, he truly does. And I like his attitude too. I've seen him play and uh, his demeanor on the bench and all that. That guy cares. That guy cares. That guy works hard. Uh, he's a good teammate. Uh, I like him a lot. Um, yep. About Paul Gasol. Ah, Paul. So, by the way, I, I'm like, I'm like completely ignorant on what's going on with Paul Gasol either. Uh, I, I didn't yeah, even know that the Spurs don't want him. So he opted out of a deal, and the rumor is uh, he is going to take less to stay back. Okay. So, okay, which makes sense. Which is amazing, right? Of course, they may give him extra years or something, but it's still a typical Spurs. They somehow get these loyalty out of their players. And he's going to take less next year so Spurs can go sign someone else. And then, uh, uh, you know, he can probably stay longer. And by the way, they may need a point guard. I mean, Parker is getting going up there and maybe they are in the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes too. Um, yes, so for once I feel next year, and it will be interesting to see, mm-hmm. uh, the Popovich system, I think, will really face a huge test because this year was remarkable given the fact that they didn't have Duncan mm-hmm. uh, and Parker had kind of lost his luster, you know, uh, uh, you know, except, except again, he, he kind of had a resurgence at the end of the season. Ginobili was off and on. Mm-hmm. So they basically went in with a relatively different cast and still were able to produce ex- extremely good results. Now, Parker, especially after his looks done, yeah. Uh, what do they do? And Lamarcus Aldridge obviously has been a complete, uh, uh, you know, failure in a lot of ways. You really, and as you said, I, you know, can you basically say that Paddy Mills is your point guard of the future? No, I don't know. No, no, and obviously not. they have Kawhi, uh, and yeah. you know, his talent is there. But it would be, it will be interesting to see what Pop can do with whatever team they put on the floor to start the season. Yeah. Now that. Chris Paul is gone. I would, if I were them, I would definitely go after Kyle Lowry. Think, Lowry, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would do. All right, the last name also associated with the Sun is Suns or uh, Paul Millsap. The question I have here is, are we just going with the sizzle more than the, uh, you know, meat here? Because is Paul Millsap better than Blake Griffin? Hmm. He's older, though. He's older. He's four years older. Uh, 32 and 28 but healthier too uh, we talked about Blake's history of injuries and all of that would you rather have Paul Millsap yes you see but I'm guilty of being a sucker for the sizzle as well so I you know <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't even think about comparing the two on an even field but now that you say it yeah and if you really think about it you get a more reliable uh, uh, four who for sure will give you the 20 and 10 or whatever his average is, I think 18 and 10 or whatever, on a more consistent basis. And in some ways, that's uh, all the Suns need. I mean, they need someone to man that spot, but they may not need a true uh, elite uh, power forward. So I don't know. I mean, but, you know, candidly, uh, I still hold the belief that when he's on the floor, Blake is like a top 15 kind of player. 
Yeah, that's true. This guy is not top 15. The upside is higher with Blake. But this guy is reliable and the chances are both of them are probably going to get the same kind of money because both of them, you know, uh, you know, they, they are going to ask for a lot. Anyway, so those are the names. I think Suns get one of them. I don't know which one. Uh, I would rather have Blake Griffin too. I agree with you. Alright, so that is a good overview of what's going on. Should we uh, jump into our Paka Fives, the top five items that's on our mind that we have not covered so far? Let's do it. Cool. You want to go first or should I go first? Okay, so I'll go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if that's okay with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my first point is uh, on cricket. And, you know, in, in, in cricket, there are two major global tournaments, one of which is obviously called the World Cup, which happens once, which happens every four years. And the other one is what is called as Champions Trophy, which again happens every four years, but they alternate with the World Cup. So we recently saw the finish of the Champions Trophy for 2017 and India lost in the finals. And, you know, I'm sparing all the details around what exactly happened. But as an aftermath of it, something that came up was this humongous spat between the coach of the Indian team, Kumble, and the captain of the Indian team, Virat Kohli, who incidentally happens to be among the, you know, maybe the number one or number two player in the world today. So there is obvious clout in that regard. But what it set me thinking back on is, among all sports globally, and I mean, among all major sports globally, cricket is probably the one sport where I absolutely see no value for a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, Game is played uh, for long durations. This is whether it's a five-day test match or a one-day cricket, one-day international. That's a long period on the field with most of the strategic and tactical decisions being made by the captain and or by his trusted lieutenants to either the vice captain or a couple of the senior players. The coach is in, in a lot of ways a glorified uh, office manager or a logistics manager, uh, you know. Yes, you know. So, uh, you know, if you think back, or when during the time we used to follow cricket very actively while in India, the 1983 Indian cricket team that won the World Cup, or the 1985 team, none of them had coaches. I mean, the whole concept of coaches was started by uh, the Australian cricket team in the late 90s. But again, you know, probably worked for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just feel that the whole. Uh, importance that is assigned to who is going to be the next coach or whether India needs an Indian coach or a foreign coach. It's all humbug. I think it's money wasted and much ado about nothing. So anyway, I don't know what uh, your thought is on that or what general consensus is. But to me, uh, that's probably the most vestigial, uh, non-important position uh, that exists in the world of sport today. Yeah, I agree with you. It was a late addition to cricket and... I never understood what they added. Uh, yeah. I am sure maybe they gave some strategic inputs and things like that. Uh, during, I don't know if you remember back in the day, not to digress, I think the uh, South African captain was getting some instructions oh, yes. live over the you know, headphones or something like that, which was hidden in his ear, and that became a huge controversy because you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, in fact, that that example, thanks for mentioning that, because that example further accentuates my point, because literally the only time in the last 20 years that I remember a coach actually (laughs) doing something meaningful happened in that one game or in that one tournament where the coach was 
from off the field giving instructions using a wireless headset to the captain on the field and the international cricket council pretty immediately banned uh, them from one game and abolished the ability for the teams to be able to do that so if you can't even do that then why do you have a coach <laughs> let, let me ask you this would you think if they allow that it makes more sense absolutely absolutely it does okay you know cool. it, it it's similar to like you know when you have a coach in football on the sidelines barking out uh, plays or game or you know or, or game plan and likewise in basketball you can see the difference a coach can make on you know in terms of the on game uh, tactics and uh, you know actions it's not just about the off field x's and o's yeah. or uh, the soft stuff but if you take that away as an essential part of your job i don't know what else you bring to the table yeah agreed it's a good good topic for sure so the second and by the way segue off of that my second point was going to be a sports media related uh, point and that is the captain that you mentioned was taking the coach's orders uh, via the headset was the south african player called hansi kronie mm-hmm. who pretty much soon after that incident got embroiled in this massive match fixing uh, saga uh, which led to him getting banned from the game and two years later he basically uh, died in a, an unfortunate plane crash and a lot of people still say that that accident was not exactly an accident and there was something uh, murky with that but anyways the reason i bring that up is that i happened to watch a movie on amazon recently called journey to grace it is basically hansi kronie's uh, uh, biography in wow. a in a docu drama manner so it's not a documentary it is kind of somewhat play acted but they also have actual footage of hansi kronie mm-hmm. so it was amazing it was amazing to see a guy who was treated like god in his country for all the right reasons uh, because he was someone that was literally you know seen by nelson mandela as the second or not by him but basically other than nelson mandela he was seen as the second most important person in south africa at the time uh-huh. and got involved in the worst thing you can be involved in and then uh, his world comes crashing down he feels repentant finds god finds religion and then dies soon after so it was in a lot of ways very sad uh, you know commentary on a, a life completely wasted yeah yeah i remember that that was sad yeah so moving on to basketball uh, the my third point and we have alluded to it a few times already is the whole uh, chris paul uh, move trade to houston and i know people in houston are getting super excited and they are quoting daryl morris uh, data analytics and his predictive uh, intelligence <laughs> to suggest how many games they will win mm-hmm. i for one naked eye have no idea how this will work because chris paul is a ball hog uh, you know i know that he is reckoned as one of the whatever top 5 point guards in history i have never seen that i mean i know he gets his numbers yeah. but i feel he's a point guard who needs the ball in his hands which is not very unlike what james harden needs and james harden really opened my eyes last year with the way he played i mean you know even and you and i had arguments as well as you know consensus on various aspects around james harden's game and the one thing that both of us i remember agreed upon is he's a completely different player uh, today or you know last season than he was ever before or any of us could have imagined yeah. and i think chris paul coming in in some ways is only going to hamper that so i don't see as much value in bringing chris paul as a lot of people seem to see i agree i i don't know how it's going to work uh, both of them need the ball but i am a little bit more uh, 
rather less pessimistic than you on this working only because good point guards can do the right adjustments men make things work right so if chris paul makes a commitment uh maybe he can make it work now harden's role is going to change i don't know what he is going to do or how he is going to handle that but uh, supposedly he's the one who wanted it so we'll see how it goes yeah exactly and just to add to that and uh, it's again one of those uh, as we said earlier about it being interesting to see how pops system will work in san antonio this coming season mm-hmm. i'm really curious to see how dan tony will fare in houston with having two guys who both need the ball his success thus far whether it was in phoenix with the nash era suns or with houston last year was dictated by one guy handling the ball for 47 minutes in a game right right how will he do with basically you know divvying up the share it's you know he cannot work with having both of them play 24 minutes or having both of them have the ball 24 minutes mm-hmm. they both need the ball i'm not very sure how uh, you know how the internal system works in that scenario you, you know you bring up a very interesting point you know what i have been thinking since i got this uh, news yesterday The yeah. biggest adjustment is not even for Harden or Chris Paul. I think it's for D'Antoni. I don't think right. he has ever run an offense with two guys, uh, you know, with who need the ball and kind of managing their touches and all of that. He has, like you said, he has either put it in Nash's hand and he does whatever he wants, or Harden's hand and he does whatever he wants, right? Yeah. Now yeah, exactly. he, he has to do a little bit more work. to make these two guys kind of coexist unless uh, Chris Paul gets all of the all of it and he makes it work we'll see yeah it will be interesting to see yeah anyway so my fourth uh, my fourth uh, point is uh, in the NFL and that is uh, something that I don't know a whole lot about but uh, I just found it interesting that Drew Brees has just started a flag football league I believe a professional flag football league mm-hmm. and uh, they had their first uh, we- game weekend this past weekend and I think it's an interesting concept because I think football as a as a consumer sport has reached its uh, peak of popularity which is good but on the flip side as a sport that kids want to take up or parents want their kids to take up i think it's it's its popularity has been receding pretty significantly since the whole uh, conversation around concussion and the realization around it has come up and yep. i think it, i always used to think what can football do to uh, you know make sure that it doesn't just dissipate and you know you find a lot more kids uh, uh playing soccer now and you know i don't know what other sports people are taking up as an alternative but to me the nfl football as a sport is too important uh for its uh, you know for for kids not to be keen on playing it and i think this represents one way by which you know you are able to kind of balance it out i mean you you need someone who's a you know who has a well professional like kadubris and whoever else is playing in that league Uh, to play a flag football league and i think that will generate enough interest for uh, uh, for 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 people to want to play football over and over again yeah i agree i think that's his logic too i think that's what is driving his uh, thinking around it too and that's yeah, i think the long term that's the risk of nfl right i don't see a bright future for them despite the great uh, popularity right now just because when kids stop playing it's just a matter of time before you lose audience uh, exactly yeah 
Exactly. And uh, so my last uh, Pakka 5 point, Arvind, is... Hey, you may be... Uh, uh, you might have miscounted it. Are you on 3 or... F- I mean, 4 or 5? You may be on 4. No, see, I did... Uh, <laughs> I think I'm on 5. Then, so I did cricket and then Hansi Kronje, then oh, okay. Paul, and then uh, this last one on football. And my last one is on uh, suddenly relevant Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, talk about uh, them coming up from nowhere. Uh, I wish I had put some money on them uh, before the <laughs> season started. Uh, but man, they are... And by the way, they have resuscitated my interest in baseball in general. Th- and so, th- so true thanks to them. But the really interesting thing was Mark Grace commenting that this team, in his eyes, was better than the team he played for, which obviously was the one that won. Right. And I thought that was a very bold comment, but if you really, again, dissect the nitty-gritties, it seemed like he made sense. Yeah. Let's see how far they go. It's, it's going to be hard, though, to be uh, frank with you. I, I don't have great expectations, but it's good to see them do well. And, uh, you know, even in the division, let's see how successful they are at the you know, end of the season. Uh, agreed, agreed. Yeah. And I frankly don't know enough about uh, the other teams to kind of be able to, uh, you know, really uh, either feel uh, good or bad about their, uh, you know, about their realistic chances. But I mean, I was, I've been seeing how they've been pulling wins out of their asses in, you know, in the last few innings of pretty much every other game, and that's been great to watch. Yes. So Dodgers are going to be the biggest challenge, right? The Giants yeah. have fallen off the cliff. Um, so Dodgers, I, I think they still probably their uh, their division to lose, but who knows, right? That's why we play the game, as they say. Cool, that's a good list, Ravi. Uh, very diverse. So let me go and uh, cover some other things in my mind. Okay. Uh, the first one is uh, funny. I don't know if you saw it today during uh, Jimmy Butler's introductory uh, news conference with the Tim Minnesota Timberwolves, he just gave everybody his phone number. <laughs> he wanted people yes, to, yes, yes. He wanted people to call him with criticism or text him or whatever. And you know, that never ends well. That, that's, I think, a stupid idea. Unless he just gave like a backup number or something like that. I don't know what it is. He's just going to regret this decision. So I thought that was uh, weird and funny. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is on the NBA offseason and the Warriors, Big Four and all of that. I don't know if you saw this, you probably saw this, that they, if you do the math and if you really want to keep all these four guys, the Warriors are probably looking at $1.4 billion over the next four years. That's billion with a B. That's just mind-boggling numbers. My goodness, yes, I, yes, yes it is. Yeah, I mean, it's not that bad this year. The funny part was last year, for all the grief they got, like you said, Curry was still in a sweetheart deal and this and that. They were not even one of the higher-paid teams in the league. I think Cavs spent way more than they did. But that's not going to be true this year. But the real kicker is going to be like this year two, three, three and four is just going to be horrible. I think they are going to have to spend $400 million plus to keep all four. Not that they are going to or they have to. Maybe they may let somebody walk, swap them for younger players. I don't know what they are going to do. But I cannot imagine them spending $1.4 billion over four years, even granted how much money there is in the Bay Area, how much they are fleecing everybody. 
and they're moving into a new stadium given all that i still can't imagine a basketball team spending 1.4 bill over the next 4 years and some signs are already there right i i see news today that they may not be so happy to sign igudala back even this year uh, because there's some <laughs> yeah 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 there's some luck those are by the way those are insane numbers i had no realization of it yes that's huge uh that's going to be interesting to watch uh, this warrior they're going to be interesting every off season i think from now on um the third point i had was how this whole nba off season drama is just i find you know there's a lot of people who are commenting how this is more interesting and gripping than the regular season uh just because you know every team has a hope right as suns fan we get excited and we are not excited mid season when they are 20 and 32 so this is really exciting time and i was really wondering if the nba off season is the most interesting off season in all of sports and taking it one level further if it is even more interesting than the games themselves in any of the sport and i know i'm stretching the truth a little bit here but i feel like there's so much drama and so much to cover and so much hope and uh, excitement for every team uh I wonder if there is something in the NBA off season which is tapping into people's uh, excitement even more so than the games themselves. So uh, I don't know if you have a thought on that, or I'm, maybe I'm just being stupid. I don't know. No, you. I I kind of see where you're going with it. Again, I've never given it that much thought, but in my mind, on impulse, it could be a combination of three things, right? I mean, there being a proper uh, cap limit. uh you know versus uh, versus something like baseball then having guaranteed contracts which makes making trades much more desirable than say in football where basically there is no sense of uh, stability or the concept of guaranteed contracts yeah. and the third thing is you know i know the warriors and the cleveland cavaliers have been uh, supreme the last few years but then there still are at least 8 to 10 teams in the league who feel like they are contenders so it is a fairly active yes it's a fairly three things ensures that the off season is off season is fairly uh, active yes definitely uh my fourth point is basically i was listening to uh malcolm gladwell the author the famous author who seems to be a pretty good sports fan on one of the podcasts probably uh, bill simmons and he was talking about how he thought it was crazy that tom brady was still playing uh because you know as listeners might know his wife giselle came in and said that he had had multiple concussions with a plural s last season so mcgladwell's point was this guy has all the money he has all the rings he's already considered the best quarterback in the history of the game best football player in the history of the game right what is he playing for he's going to be drooling in a cup in less than 10 years i you know that's a sad thought for all of us to think of tom brady in that vein but he has a point he's saying if in this day and age of increased awareness about concussion and multiple tests and concussion protocol if this guy can still sneak out with a concussion and play in the super bowl or whatever he didn't miss a single game by the way last year so he's able to somehow beat the system and play with a concussion can you imagine how many concussions he has had since his high school time 
So Gladwell is saying that we are all crazy to be not insisting that Brady just walk away. He says every football player who has made enough money and won a bunch of championships or whatever, there's really no reason to play beyond 35 years of age or whatever. I thought it was a very uh, kind of eye-opening comment. Um, that that's again really. I mean, you, you're right. I mean, that, I, I I didn't hear, I didn't uh, listen to that particular interview, uh, and had never thought of this point earlier. But it makes so much sense. I yeah. mean, it is an eye opener for sure. Yeah. And last but not the least, you know, Phil Jackson got fired in New York uh, as the you know president of basketball operations or whatever he was uh, pretending to do in, for the Knicks. And the shocker, <laughs> and the shocker really was uh, Isaiah Thomas, the guy who was probably the worst uh, GM before Phil. I can't believe Phil kind of, you know, became even more unpopular than him. His name is again resurfaced. I don't know how that is even possible that this supposedly a 3.6 billion dollar worth franchise in the world's greatest city is can't find a better candidate than Isaiah Thomas, who was so controversial, who pretty much was the worst guy they hired before they hired Phil. And this whole talk of bringing him back just blew my mind. But that's doing the rounds. Hope it's not true. But we shall see what happens. Yeah, so by the way, again, in fact, uh, thanks for mentioning that point, because I was going to ask you, with you being the NYC uh, insider at the moment as to what the rumors were on that, and I am appalled that Isaiah Thomas is the is the is the uh, is even in the reckoning, is even in discussion because I think his biggest achievement has been to kind of remove himself from being the crappiest uh, GM in the history of the NBA. I think Phil has taken over that mantle. Right, exactly. I was shocked by that rumor. The other one I heard is um, interesting. Apparently, John Calipari reached out to the, him, to them, wanting to be the president, but apparently Nick said no. So, well. You know, John Calipari, I do feel that he's kind of the de facto GM for the entire NBA in his ability <laughs> to basically funnel, uh, you know, uh, new players from Kentucky, right? I mean, he yeah. has a fa- assembly line there. He, he does. And surprisingly, Suns didn't... Uh, get one of them this year. Uh, this Actually, they're planning to get someone who's, I mean, he's not from this year's draft, but someone from last year who happens to be playing in the Euro League or someone. Oh, nice, it, nice. Who, who, and I, I'm completely drawing a blank on this kid's name, but I believe he's on their uh, summer Stop. league roster. Mike James, I believe. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Well, I think that wraps up this uh, show. Um, We should do this more often, Ravi, and uh, let's see what happens with the NFL activities starting in July. Done. And uh, by the way, uh, this time I hope I I don't make my usual asinine commitments, but if Blake signs with the Suns on Saturday, let's do a podcast next week. Yes, let's do it. Until then, uh, yeah, everybody have fun. Have a good July 4th as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.